Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast. I am Coach Kyle, and this is Dr. K. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be putting together what we think will be the most comprehensive talk on methylene blue, at least that I've heard. Um, we're going to talk about its uses, its contraindications, uh, all its benefits, its prices, where to get it, how to take it, and everything in between. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the show. So what are we talking about today, Dr. K.? Today, we're going to talk about my favorite drug and the oldest drug in the world, methylene blue. Oh, look at that. Mm. Methylene blue. What What is methylene blue? Methylene blue, um, I mean, historically, it actually started as a dye in like 1876. That's when it was first made. And then kind of in 1891, they started experimenting with it as a medication because I guess they figured, sure, it dyes things blue. Let's see what it does to humans. Um but then they actually found there's a really good anti-malarial drug. It became the first anti-malarial drug in existence, uh, primarily because it's what hydro hydroxychloroquine is made from. Very interesting. So do you think, this is a bit of a tangent, but do you think uh, our progress in the medical field has slowed down because of testing requirements and um, safety measures in, in clinical studies, as opposed to people in the 1800s just trying to die out on people? So um, progress is a relative term at that point, because back then they were like, well, this is either going to work or kill you. And we don't know. So let's find out. Mm. Um, so I don't know that that's the best approach that we should be doing anymore. But yeah, if you look at, you know, 1960s, 70s, they used to approve a lot more drugs than they do nowadays. And I think part of that is there's a lot more drugs to discover back then compared to now. You know, we've discovered a lot of them now. And then the other half it is, yeah, there's definitely a lot more stringent testing requirements, which some cases good, some cases bad, you know, um, cutting edge treatments, it does keep them from getting rolled out faster. So there are people who may need them that may pass away before they come out. Well, on the other hand, you know, you want to make sure they're not killing people. So, so. Yeah, I have, a, I have a bit of a theory that, that all the regulation, all the uh, strictness and and how much it costs to get a drug through the FDA right. is now limiting a lot of um, more natural remedies and, and things that we know work. Uh -huh. um, and it's making them fall into categories that the FDA could later scrutinize. Um, but that's, yeah. a, that's a little bit of a gray area. Yeah, you know, I don't know how far we want to dive into that because, um, you know, some things that come to mind used to cost $100,000 to get approved and now cost a million. Um, so a lot of companies shut down because of that. Yeah. Another side tangent. This is uh, this is why a lot of the the human optimization research uh, is way ahead of us in places like Russia, because mm -hmm. Russia has no qualms experimenting on their citizens, um, which is terrible for their citizens and absolutely not acceptable. But um, that doesn't mean that we can't learn from their research. So uh, I think we need to have some kind of uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know, course or study program that uses uh, Russian scholars to make sure that that we know what's coming out of that country. I mean, yeah, it's Russia and China. If you go to the Worldwide Stem Cell Summit, which is usually in Miami of all places, um, most of the people talking are uh, talking about Russian and Chinese research. Exactly why you mentioned um, they're just kind of doing it. Okay, well, let's uh, let's circle back to methylene blue. And uh, so you said it was a dye, and then it was used to treat malaria. Yep. So when you say it's a dye, I mean, it, I'm, I'm assuming it's blue. It's methylene blue. Yep. <laughs> and and how does how does something that's blue actually help a disease? 
So blue is, you know, I think it just happens to be blue. I, it's chemically synthesized. It's not found in nature. It's just made in the lab. And um, blue is just a byproduct of its production. Um, but uh, what it does, it works in so many different pathways. And we're going to dive into each of these a little bit more. But, you know, when I have patients that walk in the office, and they're like, hey, what's that blue bag that person over there is doing and should I do it? I go, well, I don't know. Let me tell you about, let me give you a brief overview of the things that it does. And then we'll, um, you know, we'll dive into each of those. So on a high level, like what, what does it do now? We know it used to treat malaria back in the day. So yeah. what do you, you use it for in your clinic? Yep. So let me give you the rundown. Um, so basically the reason I got into it in the first place is we never really had a good IV for uh, people post-traumatic brain injuries, post-strokes, post-concussions, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I started doing research and I kept hearing about this methylene blue thing. People were talking about conferences and, you know, everyone's kind of hush-hush about it. And I started digging into it more and more and it's become more popular over time. But um, one of the things it does is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with amyloid plaques or tau proteins. They're effectively uh, misfolded garbage proteins that accumulate in the brain. And uh, everyone accumulates them as we age. It's the natural part of aging. A small percent of brain cells, um, they just misfold. Um, and it used to be considered that Alzheimer's was linked to a severe accumulation of tau proteins. Uh, research is starting to shift away from that, but that was the uh, original theory. Wasn't there a scandal recently? Some kind of amyloid plaque scandal in the research? I'm not sure. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think I, I, think I read um, it's shifting away because uh, a handful of years ago, I think it might have been a decade or two ago, there was like the landmark study on amyloid plaque and how it, how it uh, affected or caused Alzheimer's disease. Yep. And uh, the numbers were fudged. <laughs> they literally fudged the numbers on the study, and that was discovered, I think, last year that that was messed up. And, and then from there, there's the big outcry in the Alzheimer's research community. And then I think that a lot of the research started shifting away from that. Yep. Yeah, so that's where, that's where it's interesting. Now, t accumulation of tau proteins, um, that still is linked to cognitive decline. It's just not necessarily Alzheimer's specifically. Uh, they did a study where they showed if delivered preemptively, methylene blue can prevent cognitive decline and tau accumulation in mice. Um, they, they, the trial is called REMBER, like R-E-M-B-E-R, and it showed both cognitive and cerebral blood flow improvements with, for patients with mild to moderate dementia. Um, oh, wow. so that's, that's the initial reason I got into it. And then, you know, I started doing it on patients and I started getting more into it for other things. So some of the other big things it does is it uh, works on the NRF2 pathway, which is your primary anti-aging pathway. Um, it works on, um, basically it makes your cells more able to accept oxygen into themselves. That's, it's used in hospitals for methoglobinemia, which is uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. So it can actually force these cells to accept oxygen instead of carbon monoxide, which is what they prefer. Uh, the other big things for it are it's a nootropic. It's just a brain stimulant. It's a mitochondrial stimulant. So it actually just makes your mitochondria work more effectively. And then it, um, oh, geez, the last one's escaping my mind right now. I say this like three times a day. Um, but we'll need some methylene blue. I probably do. Um, well, 
circle back to it. Um, but yeah, so where, where do you want to dive into in the beginning? Yeah, so let's, um, so I mean, that was a pretty good high level, but I, I want to take it even even higher. So say a lay person comes into your clinic, they know absolutely nothing about methylene blue, and you have to give them three benefits and why they should or shouldn't do it. Yep. That, well, the thing is, it depends, because nowadays I use it for pathogens, um, you know, any kind of infection, methylene blue works really well on it. It can be used topically for wound healing, for non-healing ulcers. We still use it as a nootropic. Uh, we use it for cognitive decline patients. We see really good results of cognitive decline. Uh, if someone comes to me uh, within a tight window after having a stroke, it's actually been shown to reverse um, some of that uh, brain damage. So it's honestly hard to say three things that it's good for. Ah, Okay. I mean, that's that's a wide ranging uh, reach of benefits in terms of application. You mentioned topical. How do you normally apply it? Can it be taken orally? So, yeah, there's three different ways to do it. It's IV, oral and topical. So topical is obviously for wounds. Uh, my wife actually uses it as a, a cosmetic treatment as well. You mix methylene blue with tretinoin and it actually has anti-aging effects on the skin. Um, and then orally. So orally versus IV. Uh, they've done studies that show taking orally, no matter how much of it you take orally, it never reaches high enough tro concentrations, which are blood concentrations, to get into the brain. So if we want any kind of brain healing effects, it has to be done IV. Uh, but a lot of the other benefits can be achieved orally. Gotcha. I also, uh, and just for the audience, I'm asking questions in order to facilitate conversation. I do know about methylene blue, so I will be putting my two cents in here and there. But... Um, the for for the IV versus the oral, the I believe the IV also has some effect that I've seen in the research um, on kidneys, uh, a, a greater effect on kidneys versus versus the oral. Have you seen anything there? Uh, no. You want to fill me in on that one? Okay. Well, for the audience, we'll probably we'll probably have to link to the study in the show notes. Um, but I do believe it, it was either the kidneys or the liver. It, it actually it actually hits those specific organ systems that in the brain. Uh, much, much more actively um, and helps rejuvenate. Yeah. So um, what, I mean, for, for people listening, they might, they might not have a doctor like you nearby. So if, if they wanted to find methylene blue or use methylene blue, I mean, how would you go about doing that? Well, the first thing you want to do is get something called a G6PD test. G6PD, it's a gene. Um, it's really only like, it's not even prevalent. It's a really rare gene, but it's genetically to Middle Eastern descent. But it's a gene that protects red blood cells from breaking down. And uh, quite honestly, if you're uh, G6PD deficient and you take methylene blue, it would kill you. Um, so definitely get tested before taking methylene blue. Um, apart from that, it has very little side effects. Um, overall, it just seems to have good effects. So there yeah. are... There's, you can get methylene blue as a dropper from Amazon, uh, but quality for it is super, super important. Um, you don't want to just buy random ones because unfortunately it is lab made and it's found actually to have really high levels of mercury in it. When you make uh, raw methylene blue, I guess somewhere in the process, mercury gets introduced. So if they don't then strip out the mercury, what you're taking will have ridiculously high levels of mercury. And I'm talking like 20 parts per million, which is, which is a lot of mercury. Oh, wow. Um, Jeez. That's, that's kind of scary. So 
uh, in my past, I've I've used both IV and oral methylene blue. Uh, when I, I I live in Greenville, South Carolina, so I can't always drop in the clinic for an IV. Um, so when I'm not there, I use I use oral methylene blue, and and my vendor of choice is Mitozin. It's a uh, it's not a store. It's actually a collective of uh, researchers and biohackers and medical professionals, um, and you have to join the club in order to purchase their products. But we did get the COA from them, and Dr. K did say it was low enough in uh, heavy metals to to be safe. Yep. Yeah. That, so that's really the crux of that is get even if you're not getting from Mitozen, get a C of A from wherever you're purchasing it from, and then make sure that what you're getting is pharmaceutical grade because you can even get methylene blue at the pet store. It's made for fish tanks. Do not buy that. Um, that is very dirty methylene blue. There's also chemical or laboratory grade, which in theory sounds really good, but usually will have heavy metals in it. Uh, lead, cadmium, arsenic are the ones usually found in chemical grade methylene blue. The only clean kind is pharmaceutical grade. So a COA for the audience is a certificate of analysis, and they are looking for heavy metal content, correct? Yes. Well, and then that's part of some, they're looking for sterility, so no, uh, no bacteria in it, heavy metal content, and any other contaminants in it as well. Okay. So, I mean, this is probably a general rule. If, if you're buying a supplement from a company who will not send you the COA on their product, uh, I would be wary. Is that, does that sound like that's a, a good thing to, to look for? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, a COA should be a publicly available document that a company that backs their product should provide. If they don't, I'd be concerned. I probably wouldn't buy from a company that doesn't. Yeah, if it's not posted online, um, some companies do post them online, and I've found that's uh, probably the easiest way to find if it's a good vendor. Um, if it's not posted online, what I usually do is I'll just email their support email or help email, and they'll usually provide it. If they don't provide it or don't have one, that is a, a very good sign that they are not going through the testing required to make sure that their products are safe. So when you say pharmaceutical grade, um, I believe the the breakdown of that, like when you see a product that's pharmaceutical grade, it says USP. Is that correct? Correct. That That's just a testing marker. It stands for United States Pharmacopoeia. Um, that's just what you want to see. Okay. So don't buy methylene blue for fish tanks. Don't buy methylene blue that's chemical or testing grade. You want pharmaceutical grade USP with an available certificate of analysis. Correct. And having said that, my wife, she loves to buy supplements and then ask them about them later. So she did buy methylene blue as a dropper on Amazon. I was like, that's probably full of garbage. And then we ended up getting the CFA on it. Remember I sent it to you, Kyle? It was cleaner than some of the USP graded supplements I've seen, uh, you know, for medical. You just don't know. You just never know, really, unless you have that COA. Yep. This would be a good time to say that I am not a doctor. And even though Dr. K is a doctor, we are not recommending medical advice. We are not recommending you to go out and try any of these things that we talk about on this podcast without first consulting with your medical provider. Thank you for the brief interruption and back to the content. <laughs> so, so methylene blue, I mean, we've talked about it for skincare. We've talked about it for like a nootropic effect, talked about it for, for brain healing. Um, let's talk about dosage. So when yep. you, when you have a person that comes into your clinic, mm -hmm. uh, how do you dose them? So uh, we'll talk about both IV and oral and, you know, some of this, I don't know how much I want to say it's proprietary, but a lot of it was just trial and error on my part that there was just no, you know, 
you can ask around and everyone's doing something different. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to share what they're doing. Um, so I'll kind of put as an overview style answer to that more than a specific. But uh, I'll take what patient, what I consider a full dose for a patient. And full dose varies for IV, just depending on what they're doing. But I'll usually start with a half dose of it and uh, kind of see how they do with it. And then from there, I'll escalate um, up to full dose for it. Um, and full dose is a, let's call it a marker of one. I've pushed people, mainly <clears throat> Kyle, past one. And uh, I don't think the results were what he was hoping for. Remember that day? Yeah, yeah, that was a lot. Um, I, so I would, I would like, I've experimented with the dosing of methylene blue quite a bit. Um, and it is, it's night and day between IV and oral. So on oral, because of what the studies say, um, I, there's a lot of studies that test on uh, four milligrams per kilogram. Um, and so I, I tried that orally and I felt really good. I felt sharp. I felt full of energy. Um, yeah. Like I took less stimulants. I felt great. Um, Dr. K gave me two of his doses, which is less than I was taking oral, much less. And I was like throwing up in the trash can because I was overstimulated. So that's, yeah. that's just kind of a testament to how much harder the IV hits. How often would you recommend someone do methylene blue? I mean, it, is there like a honest. course? Yeah, so I do different courses for different things. If we're trying to treat, so there's, I mentioned that TRO effect earlier, which is basically a minimum and maximum concentrations in the blood. And so it's just on all the different studies I've gathered, if you're trying to treat cognitive decline, cognitive issues, you want to maintain a really high TRO concentration for as long as possible. So I'll have those people do IVs at least twice a week for four to six weeks. Whereas if we're doing four, it for eight six weeks, four to six. Okay. I was like, whoa, that's a that's, that's an aggressive third year. That's exactly <laughs> like buying a house, my God. Um no, four to six weeks. Whereas if we're doing it for an antipathogenic effect, I will typically do one a week or every other week. It kind of just depends on how the patient's tolerating it, and how sick they are. But my favorite thing to do, methylene blue has really good synergistic effects with a lot of different other IVs I do. The main three things it works really well with are ozone, vitamin C, and procaine. Hmm. So I will, if I have patients that are doing any others, any of the other stuff, I always try to combine them into the same day. Very nice. So I, I do want to go back to the dosing orally um, because I mentioned four milligrams per kilogram is what I tried. Um, that is the threshold in the literature. So there is a massive falling off of benefits after four milligrams of kilograms and a massive increase of side effects if you take more than that. Um, and then there are, there are, I have seen studies where it's dosed at half a milligram per kilogram and it's dosed at um, two milligrams per kilogram. And they seem to have a stair stepping effect up to four. Um, but I would recommend that if anybody ever was going to try this, talk to your doctor first, of course, but, um, I would try, uh, a half a milligram per kilogram of body weight before you escalate to a higher dose. Low and slow is the way to go. And when he's two, two points that when he says low and slow, it's not like, oh, I did half milligram today and I did great. Let me do one tomorrow. It's do it like every two weeks you go up half a milligram. That's yeah. one thing. And the second thing I want to point out, and like you mentioned, I'm not giving you guys medical advice, talk to your doctors, but seven milligrams per kilogram is widely considered a deadly dose. So don't, yeah. don't really stray above four. Yeah. So the, um, with oral, 
once you find out what you what you can tolerate and what's your optimal dose, um, some people like to use this like caffeine and start doing it daily. Uh-huh. Uh, I have done it. I have done it daily and I've seen great effects. Uh, of course, I've worked up to that. I didn't just start running it daily um, yep. and I have seen great effects, but you, you should not run methylene blue permanently. So it'll overstimulate your mitochondria. Is that correct? Correct. Um, your body starts to become reliant on it to a degree if you take it every single day because of how it works on what's called your Krebs cycle. Krebs cycle is a fancy word, Krebs, not crab but it's the fancy word for our body's energy production through our mitochondria. And so, yeah, if you feed it methylene blue all the time, your body's going to become addicted to it and it'll stop working on its own. So my recommendations, you cycle on and off of it, do like four to six weeks on, take two to three weeks off and cycle like that. Yeah. So I've done, um, I've been doing for a while, um, cycles of 10 days on three days off. Um, and I've, I found that's, pretty good. However, I don't actually like to push it to 10 because I realized that I actually was experiencing that effect that you mentioned that kind of almost not feeling yourself when you come off it. Yep. And the third day when it gets out of your system after that 10 day cycle, I'm just pissed off. I'm slow. <laughs> I'm sluggish and I'm not feeling good. Fourth day, I'm fine. Um, but I don't like to go 10 days in a row anymore. So I try to cap it at about a seven day cycle with a three day washout period minimum. And I think that has to do with the doses that you're, you're on such a high dose of it. I took his dose one time. I felt terrible. I take methylene blue regularly at like 20 to 40 milligrams a day. He gave me, uh, what was it? A hundred milligrams. I thought I was going to die. Um, <laughs> I was just nauseous. Uh, my stomach hurt. So, um, I think that his effects are happening because of his high dose. Which, which makes sense. And, and. I did step up over this dose. I mean, I, I didn't go to, I didn't go to four milligrams per kilogram until probably a year and a half of using methylene yeah. blue. So I didn't just like run right to the top. Uh, although that is my personality generally. I didn't actually do that this time with this certain chemical. Um, the, so we've talked a lot about oral and dosing and timing schedule. Um, so. I mean, I'd like to talk a little bit about price and how the market works, how that works for IVs, what you see that, what I see in or the oral market and that kind of stuff. Yep. So prices, this is kind of a touchy, nervy subject for me. Methylene blue used to be IV wise, $10 a bottle. Uh, the pills were like pennies. Um, right up until 2015, the pharmaceutical company bought it. Price went up uh, commercial grade to $1,500 per vial and it sat there for a few years, which is why I feel like it kind of died out. No one could afford that. Because if we're, if doctor's paying 1500, they're charging probably three grand for an IV. Um, so <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of died out. And then 2019, 2020, it started getting compounded again on a regular basis. So the price has come down significantly, never came down to 10 bucks a vial though. And then recently, by recently, I mean like October, the biggest, um, producer of it, a company called Taylor made, they stopped making the IV form of it. So the price has now jumped up again on it. Um, gotcha. so from the, from the oral standpoint, the price points are all over the place. I mean, it's, it's up and down and left and right. The company I use Mitozen, they, I think it's a, it's about $400 for 90 doses of 180 milligrams. That's that's about what they charge, which is a pretty decent price. Uh, I really like their product because one, again, I said the the COA came back pretty decent, not quite as clean as that Amazon one you found, but it was pretty clean. 
Uh, and number two, they actually mix it with a bunch of polyphenols. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a double bang for your buck. Um, so I've seen it as low as, you know, like Amazon listings USP for a few bucks. Um, and you gotta like mix it yourself. It's a powder. And I find that's a nightmare. Um, but usually, usually I look for something like a 60 or 90 day supply, um, under, under 400 bucks. Well, so that's what's interesting. So I was getting it from a pharmacy in Florida that has unfortunately shut down called Amex. And we're getting it for about a buck 50 compounded for uh, 10 to 20 milligrams. When they shut down, I reached out to my uh, friend. A shout out to Tom at Jupiter Compounding. It's like, hey, can you get this for me? He said, there's no way he could touch that $1.50 price. He'd be sitting somewhere around, don't quote me, but I think he said about $4 a pill for 10 to 20 milligrams. So I don't know yeah, what the price is for. They're just like you said, all over the place. They're all over the place. Yeah. 10, 20 milligrams. So that breaks down to, you know, four bucks a pop. You can get maybe a hundred doses for 400 bucks. So like a, a compounding pharmacy version of this is comparable to the pricing of the mitosin one. The difference is you'll get 10 or 20 milligrams through the compounding pharmacy and 180 at the, at the mitosin. Um, but again, it goes to kind of your level of security and your level of risk. The compounding pharmacies are always going to have generally the cleanest products. Um, and then it'll step down from there. Um, and you'll find like chemical suppliers that'll have USP grade. Those are the sketchiest. Yeah. So have you heard anything about this light effect that, uh, that methylene blue has a synergistic effect with the body, uh, when interacting with certain types of light? Yes. So there's topical methylene blue has to be photo activated with red light therapy to actually work. Um, and then for IV, now there's this whole debate about IV and photodynamic therapy for methylene blue. The, during This article came out during COVID where they compared the effectiveness of methylene blue versus nothing um, for COVID treatments. And they photo activated methylene blue and it worked really, really well. Um, and so everyone started photo activating IV methylene blue. Basically, they're running an IV in your arm and they're putting red light either on your wrist or there's head devices or some other photo activation. And my question has always been since that came out is I want someone to compare photo activated IV methylene blue to non photo activated IV methylene blue. Because from my understanding, once that methylene blue hits your system, your body starts burning it up instantly. It doesn't have time to make it to the light, you know, a couple feet away in your body. Any thoughts on that, Kyle? So, uh I have, uh, uh, like you said, research is very sparse <laughs> in this in this area. Um, ben Greenfield, he's a he's a biohacker, fitness podcaster. He's a big proponent of methylene blue. He is a big believer that compounds like methylene blue and shilajit, which is a dark black compound, um, can interact with white light and positive benefits in the body. I have experimented with it, and honestly, I can't say that I've felt the difference. Um, so I've tried both methylene blue pre. I, pre my infrared sauna and I've tried methylene blue pre going outside and I can't feel the difference between normal infrared sauna use and normal going outside and getting sunlight benefits. Um, that's not to say there isn't, it's just wasn't earth shattering for me. Unlike well, the actual taking of methylene blue, which I can a hundred percent feel. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't really have an answer for IV or, Oral, definitely, there's no difference photoactivated. Topical, 100% has to be photoactivated. IV, I guess we'll say the jury's still out. And hopefully more research comes out down the road. 
Yep. We'll wait and see, and maybe we'll uh, recant some statements or double down on something. But until we until we see the research, uh, this is that's our position on it. Mm-hmm. So um, we've talked about costs, we talked about dosing, we talked about benefits. Um, what does this look like? Because you're a doctor, what does this look like in terms of um, treatment and and kind of some of these heavier duty cases you might see? Like, does it help? Like, say say someone comes in with with cancer. Would it help cancer? Say someone comes in with, I don't know, um, diabetes. Would it help diabetes? Do you do you know anything about this? Is there any research out there? So that I'm glad you asked. If there's research out there because um, technically it's an experimental field. We can't guarantee that it could treat anything. So typically, what I do, I have you know patients from all walks of life. What's cool about methylene blue because it's the oldest drug in the world. It's one of the most case studied drugs in the world. Uh, as in, if you can pretty much Google, can methylene blue treat blank? And there will almost always be a case study about it. For cancer, there is a variety of cancers that have case studies with methylene blue. For some, it works. For some, it does nothing. There have been no case studies that show it harms cancer, though. Okay. Or, sorry, um, hurt, harms the patient having cancer. I don't know how you would phrase that. Um as for diabetes, I have not seen anything. To be fair, I haven't looked. I do use other treatments for diabetes. It's never come up for me to use methylene blue. I would postulate that it could have a beneficial effect on diabetes because of the increase in energy, which might lead to a decrease in, in uh, carbohydrates. Because often what you feel when diabetes is you're not able to adequately use your carbohydrates because you have uh, insulin problems, essentially. So if if you have more energy production, you might it might lead to a a reduced intake of carbohydrates. However, that is completely speculation <laughs> and has not been proven. Um, although, again, I would love to see more research in this field uh, because because, like you said, it's it's not going to hurt it. <laughs> so you know, it's if if we give if we give diabetes patients a beneficial compound um, that obviously don't have a G six PD problem. Um, and it helps, then we've learned something. But if we didn't, maybe we just increased their neurological function. Well, Kyle, let me just jump in right there because like I mentioned, you can Google, does methylene blue work for blank? And I just Googled, does methylene blue work for diabetes? And in the first two articles to come up, I'm gonna spare you guys this really long name. We can put it in the show notes, but basically it decreases serum leptin. Uh, you wanna explain that one, Kyle? So. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while, but you have two basic um, hunger hormones. One is ghrelin and one is leptin. And leptin is the one that makes you hungry. And ghrelin is the one that says you're full. Is that correct? I think so. The reason I hand off to you is because I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. But anyway, if it decreases serum leptin, and I've got the hormones in the right order, <laughs> then it will uh, it will make you feel less hungry and you'll feel more satiated. Um, that's That's impressive, honestly. So it, it possibly could be used in combination with um, with uh, other treatments for for weight loss or for diabetes. Um, it is worth noting, however, there are often some, uh, at least with oral, uh, when you start taking it, there's some microbiome changes and some stomach side effects that you could get if you're taking too high of a dose too fast. Is that something you see? Oh, yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it happened to me, too. Um, I think that comes down to a couple of different things, one of which is methylene blue is a very potent antipathogenic. It's really good at killing viruses, molds, bacteria, fungi, parasites, basically, you name it. If it's alive and it's not supposed to be there, it'll kill it. 
And unfortunately, that means your gut biome is a part of that. It can, it can actually kill the bacteria in your gut biome if you take too much of it. Wow. Is that what, would it kill beneficial bacteria or do we just not know yet? Probably. I'm sure if I Google this right now, there's probably a case study about it, but um, <laughs> I think that's where the GI side effects come is it throws off your, uh, your gut flora. Yes. And, and just for the, uh, just for the audience, um, Dr. Kay's mentioned a few times, it's one of the oldest drugs in the world. Um, there are a lot of qualifiers on that. Um, so it is quite likely not the oldest drug in the world. It is very old. It's argued that the oldest drug in the world is opium or uh, opiates that go back to 2100 BC. So I just want to make sure we're, we're on the same page there. Fair enough. Fair enough. So methylene blue, we've talked about basically all the aspects of it. What uh, overall, is there anything we've missed in covering the methylene blue? Um, yeah, it depends how nitty gritty you want to get with it. We could talk about some of its other effects. Um, actually, let me bring up this one. Um, it's use in UTIs. Hmm. Methylene blue, because it's so antipathogenic, it actually, that's part of why it's so good for UTIs. The second part is it, it accumulates in really high concentration in kidneys and therefore bladder. And so people with resistant UTIs, methylene blue is one of the best things you give them, either oral or IV, probably a mix of both. Give them one IV if you can, just to get the concentrations up really high and then put them on orals for 10 days. And 99% chance you're going to kill whatever bacteria that is. So I was correct earlier. It is the kidneys. So the IV has a higher concentration in the brain and the kidneys. So if you're working on something like uh, renal impairment, would that be beneficial? Um, I don't know because renal impairment has to do with the filtering effects of the kidneys. I don't know that methylene blue affects that, to be honest. Um, if that's a road you want to go down, we're going to have a whole different episode about this. But this new ozone treatment called EBO, E-B-O-O, or ozone dialysis, that's actually uh, shown. They're doing studies now and it's showing that's improving kidney function. But we'll table that. We'll save that one for another episode. That sounds good. And for the audience, I would be a terrible biohacker if I did not mention suppositories. So you can take methylene blue, you can put it up your butt. <laughs> And it will absorb into your body. And this is um, uh, not fun. I've done suppositories. I don't enjoy them. Um, not a lot of biohackers stick a lot of things up their butt um, because I guess they think it's fun. Uh, you can get much higher absorption rates on things than taking it orally. I'm not a huge fan. But I will mention if you're struggling with uh, maybe some liver issues or some digestive issues, um, suppository rectal, suppository of of methylene blue might be able to help your liver because a liver is a highly dense mitochondrial organ and methylene blue, what it does is essentially turbocharges the mitochondria. So that might be a good strategy uh, for you to work with your doctor on uh, if you need to increase your, your liver function. Yep. And actually remember I got stuck on, um, it works on NRF and I couldn't remember what the other thing it does. It works on mm -hmm. nitric oxide dismutase. Um, do you want to explain that one or should I take it? You can take that one. <laughs> the nitric oxide dismutase, it controls your body's, basically um, your endothelial production of um, stem cells. It's basically controlling how much stem cells your body is innately producing. And when you take methylene blue, it shuts down nitric oxide dismutase temporarily. So your body starts producing more uh, stem cells on its own. That's so neat. I, I didn't want to leave that one unsaid. I wanted to yeah. circle back to that. That's a, that's a whole different podcast. We might have to talk about stem cells on a different podcast. Oh, definitely. 
<laughs> but the stem cells we talk about then are completely different than the ones we can make your own body produce semi-naturally. Gotcha. Have you heard of the urine drinking people? I've heard of it. Um, I've never experienced it. They're claiming there are new studies out. I have not seen them. I have not researched it, so I don't know that they have found um, something very similar to a V cell, a very small embryonic like stem cell in your urine. So when you drink it, you get rejuvenating effects. Um, I think that's terrifying and scary because uh, I don't want to drink my urine. <laughs> but, but hey, that might be something to watch for down the road when more research comes out. I mean, I just honestly, even if it works, I don't know if I could mentally, <laughs> I don't know if I could mentally do it. Um, I, I, yeah, I've listened to a few podcasts on it and, and read a little bit about it, and I'm right there with you. I just don't even think I, I could pull the trigger on that. There are so many other things you could do for your health before you do that. Yeah. Um, now, not to discredit the doctors that are doing it, if they're finding the results with it, all the power to them. Um, and who knows, 10 years down the road, I may be someone doing it. We don't know where the future will take us. I, I think it's safe to say that um, if we do see really good research in it, I will probably be trying it before Dr. K will. I will probably be prescribing it to Kyle. bluntly. <laughs> You got to write that on a prescription pad. You can't just go pick that up at Walgreens. You know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they do something with the urine. I don't think you're just drinking straight urine. Mm, okay. So we're a little bit out of our depth here. We, yeah, we don't quite let's know. Go back to, uh, let's exit this and go back somewhere we know. Let's find land here. <laughs> so uh, I think we've covered everything, uh, just about everything on Methylene Blue. Um, now, if... If you'll uh, indulge me, I'd like to dive into um, contraindications a little bit, side effects a little bit more, and what you can and can't take it with. That's um, a good so I'll let you, t I'll let you kind of go over the contraindications and the side effects, um, any you've ever seen, um, and then I'll dive into the uh, interactions. Yep. Um, so contraindications, um, like I mentioned earlier, the biggest one is we do not take it without a G6PD test. I don't care if you're taking a quarter of a tablet, don't even lick it without a G6PD test. Because if you are one of those people that has no G6PD, it could end very badly. Uh, that's my biggest disclaimer. The next one is uh, you cannot take it with SSRI medications. Um, they've done studies that show it can cause serotonin syndrome, or um, it can also act as what's called an MAOI inhibitor. Uh, serotonin syndrome. I'm going to let Kyle talk about that one a little bit more and you guys will find out why. Um, but those are the two biggest contraindications. Um, pregnancy, I'm not 100% if it's safe in pregnancy. Um, so with that one, ask your doctor about it. See what they say. Um, what was the next thing you want to talk about? Um, side effects. So we've mentioned we've mentioned there might be some some gut issues. And I think that was the only side effect we've mentioned. You see anything else? Yep. So orally, I pretty much only see um, GI side effects, but done um, done IV. Occasionally, I get people in the office they feel a little bit dizzy or out of it. That's normal. It normally goes away usually by the end of the IV. Sometimes. A, shortly after what i think is it's going up into their brain and doing brain things and so um it's a process of cleaning out the brain um if you have that effect the other thing people get with the iv for some reason is really strong cramping of the muscles of the arm either up or down from the iv up at least sort of makes sense to me down i could not figure out why they're feeling 
if the IV is in their elbow, why are they feeling cramping in their forearm? I have no idea. Um, but if that one goes away, usually within a couple hours after finishing the IV. That's the only stuff I've seen. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and dive into kind of drug interactions, what you should and shouldn't take it with, what you should be careful yep. about. Um and I'm gonna step back a little bit because we said it had positive benefits in the brain, but I don't think we mentioned how it acts on the blue spot in the brain. The blue spot is a specific spot in your brain that helps uh, regulate your serotonin. Um, and this this research is often touted by uh, Dr. John Laurence down in uh, Sarasota. He's the one that actually operates Mitozen, and he's uh, he's given a lot of really good presentations on the science of the science of methylene blue. And he's actually got a really good book, and we'll link to that in the show notes about methylene blue. Um, and he, he goes crazy with it. He's got eye drops with little, like a little bit of EDTA, a little bit of silver and methylene blue. It's called blue eyes. You put it in your eyes. He's saying he's seen, um, visual improvement because of the mitochondrial stimulant effect in the eyes. And it can also clear up eye infections. Huh? Um, yeah. So, but back to the, uh, back to the interactions, you don't want to, <laughs> and this is, this is something that biohackers might struggle with when it comes to nootropics and messing with your brain and your uh, neurochemicals. There's a lot of delicate things you're messing with. And as a biohacker, I've messed some of these up before, <laughs> quite frankly. And um, the first one uh, Dr. K mentioned is SSRIs. So you don't want to take methylene blue with anything that's modulating your serotonin syndrome or your serotonin system, because you could have an overload of serotonin giving you serotonin syndrome. Now, what I did is I took a, um, I took methylene blue, a very high dose of methylene blue, uh, and then I took a microdose of psilocybin. Psilocybin is known to increase. It's actually how it works your serotonin. That ended up giving me a minor case of serotonin syndrome in which my heart rate was through the roof. I was sweating uncontrollably, um, but I felt great, but I felt like I was dying. It was this weird, like, like I'm happy, but I feel like I'm dying. So be very careful when you're taking things that modulate your, your neurochemicals, uh, includes SSRIs, definitely mushrooms or hallucinogenics. If you take a very high dose of mushrooms or hallucinogenic psychedelics on methylene blue, you could die. Um, another one for biohackers that's often used for weight loss is tesofensine. There seems to be some interaction there because it's a uh, reuptake agonist. I believe I have that right. Um, and so I would, I would stay away from tesofensine as well when you're on uh, when you're on methylene blue. And the last is, um, it's sneaky. The last one is very sneaky. It's uh, actually 5-HTP, which is serotonin. So doctors can prescribe serotonin. Some people are on this. Uh, and so you would probably know not to take methylene blue if you take serotonin. But what a lot of people don't know, is serotonin is slipped into probably half of all sleep supplements. It's just in there. It's just lurking. <laughs> and sleep sub supplements are highly unregulated. So the dosage on there, even though it's small, it could be much higher than they say it is. Um, and so you could give yourself serious side effects if you're on a high dose of methylene blue and then take a sleep supplement that has a fairly decent dose of uh, serotonin 5-HTP in it. So you need to be very careful about taking sleep supplements when you're on methylene blue. Makes sense. And then I just want to point out my favorite side effect, which isn't really a bad one. It's that it turns your urine, anything from yellow to blue, to green, to something in between. And um, methylene blue, it's a blue IV, and then it comes out of you blue too. And sometimes you get green because yellow pee plus blue IV makes green pee. 
Yeah. And, uh, this, is, uh, this is something to be careful with. Because if you're taking high dose oral, you can stain your toilet. Actually, yes. I've had I've had a couple of wives in the office complaining that their husbands are doing that. And I was like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what actually um, helps a lot? This is a weird tip. But if you pre-flush, it'll actually prime the toilet so it's nice and wet. And it won't. It won't let it get into the porcelain as much. That makes sense. The other thing is rubbing alcohol ticks. I get on my skin all the time when I'm mixing up the IVs. Um, and um, rubbing alcohol takes out most things. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's actually, um, if you're cutting doses, like minimizing product, it is a pain in the butt because it'll dye anything very blue for a while. <laughs> um, and then actually, so the peeing blue green whatever color i want to make a point on that um i have people that'll do the iv um, because it's a little more noticeable with when you're taking the iv and not the pills every day um if you take the pill every day you pee blue every day but they'll do the iv one time and they'll pee blue anywhere from the first pee after all the way to four to five days later and we cannot figure out why that's one thing that no one's found is why the length of uh Urine change, urine color change varies so much. And they used to track it. And for a while, I had this theory that, oh, well, you know, if it's fighting off an infection, it gets burnt up, it gets mutated to something else, and therefore you don't pee blue. Whereas if it goes in your brain, it's doing something to your brain, then you're going to pee blue for longer. The problem is it wasn't consistent. Not even, it wasn't a consistent patient IV1 to IV2, let alone between patients. So I gave up on that theory. So I actually do know a little bit about this. Um, huh? at least one specific thing about it. I don't know why in some people it lasts longer and why in some people it's shorter, but if you have a high amount of serum vitamin C or you're taking vitamin C, vitamin C has a reaction with methylene blue that actually turns it clear. Hmm. Uh, so that could be a uh, something that you might see in your clinic. If you dose with vitamin C, you'll see it for much shorter time. That's so I combine methylene blue with vitamin C on a semi-regular basis. I'll have to track that one and see where it ends up. I'll report back in like six months. Yeah, there we go. So is there anything we've missed, Dr. K, on Methylene Blue? I think this is probably one of the most comprehensive podcasts out there on Methylene Blue. Um, I haven't found one where they've covered all these things yet. Um, I mean, I can ramble on and on about all the different studies they found where it protects heart tissue, brain tissue. If you give it within this time span, you could save this tissue um, and all that stuff. I don't know how much people want to hear about it. Um, what do you think, Kyle? Anything else? Well, to let's let's hear let's hear about your experience. Have you taken it at all? I've done it both IV and and orally. Um, typically, I I don't take it consistently anymore. I took it, you know, there. I like I mentioned earlier in the show, I've, I've done the four weeks on, two weeks off. I did that for a few months, and definitely noticeably sharper nowadays. I really take it if I have a late night or if I'm flying and uh, it's upsetting my sleep schedule, I'll take the next morning because what I've found, you know, is it protects your brain tissue as much as a pill can. Um, and then I've done the IV a few times and doing the IV, normally I do the IV the day of, I'm like, okay, I don't feel much. And normally I wake up next morning, like, okay, I am noticeably sharper. I can like solve puzzles I've been thinking about for a while and couldn't solve. Um, was, when did you feel like you were inventing Facebook, Kyle? That was the that was after I puked in your trash can, so I, <laughs> I got overwhelmed. And then about an hour and a half later, when I was going home, I was like, my brain was just like, 
seeing things I haven't seen before. It was, I was like on like super speed. <laughs> I was like Absolutely. singing rap songs and I was like hitting every lyric. And then while I was doing that, I was thinking about business things. It was, it was nuts. So as a caveat to that, I think uh, healthy people with really healthy brains, they get that effect. Most of my patients don't feel it to that degree because unfortunately I think that most, it's a confirmation bias, right? Most of the patients are sick, they're not doing it for fun. So when they do it, um, it's being utilized for something useful and not just extra. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. One last thing I saw with, with my um, use and journey of Methylene Blue, um, when I, I was on a, a weight loss journey um, previous to starting to take Methylene Blue and I hit a pretty solid plateau at about 230-ish pounds. Um, and then I started taking Methylene Blue and it seems like I had an issue creating enough energy. Um, so that, that Methylene Blue blew through that 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 uh, weight loss plateau and I lost about 20 more pounds over the course of two months um, because of methylene blue usage. I didn't change anything else, diet, exercise, any other supplements. Hmm. Um, so it could be a useful tool in weight loss um, if you need it. If you know if if you're if your mitochondria are going through, you know, the Krebs cycle is working well and you're producing the maximum ATP, you, you might not get that benefit. But if you actually are ran down and you need that boost, then it, it might be huge for helping you utilize the energy from your food more effectively. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And so then, I think uh, that's, uh, you got something else? I was going to point out some history that just came to mind if you guys want to hear it. Yeah. So um, it, it came to me, the reason that they started using methylene blue in people um, and figured out it works as medication is uh, they knew it was a diet, so they started adding it to psychiatric medications to um, to make sure that the patients were actually taking it. You know, they take it, uh, your turns blue, you know they're taking it. And then uh, from there, that's where it started to um, develop into its uh, psychotropic effects, which are like anti-psychiatric issue medications. It was um, using methylene blue is how they discovered uh, chlorpromazine. It's one of the oldest um, anti-psychotic uh, drugs out there. Um, that, that's where the shift of textile dye to medication came from. Very interesting. Good to close the loop on that. Well, I think, uh, I think we have put together one of the most comprehensive podcasts on methylene blue. Any final notes for us, Dr. K? That's all I've got. Excellent. Well, we are signing off. And if you want to uh, learn more or follow up with us, you can go to our website. It's peakperformancepodcast.online, not .com because .com was taken. So we went with .online because <laughs> it seems like it makes sense. It's online. Also, we are on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we are also on Instagram personally. I'm at Toxin Free Kyle and Dr. K is at The Osteo Doc. And we'll have links to those in the show notes uh, as well. And you can find our full show notes at our website. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Signing off, the Peak Performance Podcast.